Hi, I'm Dave Butler. I'm Stefan Tager. Welcome to Revival Podcast. If it's your very first time, we ought to introduce because this is season two, episode one, actually. I don't know if we call them seasons, but we should because Netflix does or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) We want to copy them. Stefan and I are longtime friends. We taught together. We did our master's program together. We rode in the car. Oh, <laughs> such fun memories. Such fun memories. Together. And we decided uh, six months ago to do this, start this podcast. And it's we call it Revival because we want to talk about the things that just light up the soul. You know, the, the good news of the gospel. This is actually a good news brand podcast. We have three. There's this one, Revival. It goes 25 minutes. And we just talk about just like, hey, we follow the conference talks. So we have a, a schedule that you can get. Go follow Good News Brand Co. On, on Instagram or sign up for the newsletter and you can get a recap and which talk is coming next week and, and all of that. Um, but we follow, we go through different conference talks and we just we pick out, we just talk about them because we think there's some good news or great news. President Nelson, he says that in his talk. Yeah. And he's like, the great news. I was like, <laughs> oh no, I got to rename everything. <laughs> but man, what are the things that really... Faith is not dumb, and to be a person of faith can be thrilling, and it's not a burdensome journey. It's an enlivening one. It should be one that you just like, what I just read recently? Oh, what, what book are we on in the New Testament right now? Uh, Colossians? So, yeah, somewhere. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm a little ahead because of, don't miss this, but Thessalonians, where he just says, so that you can abound more and more. I just love that idea, abounding in life, like just that live it more richly, Yeah, you know? So that's what we try to focus on and our vow and promise and commitment and cross my heart, hope to die is that we'll go no, serious. 25 minutes. <laughs> we better go sorry. 25 today. Yeah, exactly. Or, or less. So anyways, that's what you'll find every single week today. We're jumping in to a, uh, a talk. We're just ready to go. So it's going to be um, President Nelson's talk that he gave recorded, his recorded talk on Sunday, whenever that was, afternoon. It was awesome. It was yeah. a great experience. Yeah. Okay, Dave, I got a question for you to start off our episode today. Season two, episode one. Are you ready? Born ready. Okay. <laughs> Here's the question. Suppose you could walk into a room and 17-year-old Dave Butler is sitting on a couch. <laughs> How old are you now? 40-something. I was born in 1981. I don't know the math. <laughs> Well, at what age do you lose track of the year? I don't know. That's, like, that felt cliche, but I legit can't remember. <laughs> okay. I'm 42 or 43 or 41. But regardless, so 49-year-old Dave walks into a room and 17-year-old Dave Butler's there. What advice would you give him? Oh, <laughs> it's like, bro, don't be so extra. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I would say. I don't, I, uh, I don't know what that means. I, so. Well, I'll explain to you off air. But I, ah, man. You know, I've actually really, somewhere at a young age, I developed this. I know what I would say, but let me start with this. I developed like a trusting heart and spirit and a really hopeful one too. And uh, that's kind of carried me through ever since then. Hmm. I think as a 17-year-old, I would say to a 17-year-old me, focus on relationships. They'll just be, I figured that out somewhere along the way, but it would have been cool to figure that out later. I'd probably give myself some mission advice hmm. too. Yeah. I'd be I'd be such a better missionary today than I was 
you know, when I was 19, maybe it's all part of learning. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like I'm thinking regret for some reason, like what kind of things do I want to like not regret or whatever. And I, I just, I don't feel regret. So I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know. What would you say? What would Um, you say to your younger self? I think I would probably say something like, I don't know how to say this. I'll just say it quickly, but just be simple and kind of calm down. Don't Mm. overthink, don't overanalyze. Don't try to prove a lot about yourself. Just simply do what's good and kind and right and you know what I mean? Yeah. Just yeah, it seems like in my life the times where I've gotten in trouble is when I just complicate things. Huh. Just just do good. Yeah. Just do the right thing and don't overthink stuff. I wish I could tell myself too that like, oh, you have you have such good things ahead of you. Mm. Like that's one of the things I would there's no question that for me, life ended up way better than I ever thought it would. Same. There's no question. Same. Like, I often am like, I, I, I don't deserve this and I don't, you know. Yeah. I really don't. But so it's funny because I'm sure when we're 50, we'd have something to tell our 40 year old self. And when we're 60, we'd have something to tell our 50 year old self. Yeah. Listen to President Nelson. I recently celebrated my 99th birthday, which, by the way, is an amazing accomplishment in and of itself. I know. I couldn't decide whether I actually wanted to be 100 or not when he said it. I was like, <laughs> part of me was like, I want to get there. So that, you know, for the triple yeah. digits. And then, then I also was like, when he talked about being on his, hurting his back and like being in all that pain, I was like, never mind. <laughs> 82 sounds great. <laughs> so he says, I recently celebrated my 99th birthday and thus commenced my 100th year of living. I am often asked the secret to living so long. A better question would be, what have I learned in nearly a century of living? And so not only do we have someone who has tons of experience, right? He's incredibly well-educated. President Nelson has a PhD and an MD. He's 100 years old. Oh, he's on his 100th year. And he's also a prophet, seer, and revelator. And so this gives, there's quite a bit of insight we're about to get from this talk, you know, some some great gems. I love that he, that he starts that way because there really is there's something about it. There's something that, you know, I, I think about going back and talking to my 17 year old self. And I think, oh, I struggle with that a little bit because what I learned over those years, I couldn't have given that advice to myself. I don't think because I had to live it. Right. You know, and there's something about, and it must be Terribly frustrating to be a hundred year old person and see some of the trends that you've seen just been rehashed and re, you know, right. back again. And you're just like, you guys, I've done this four times already. <laughs> and just, but there's a lot of value in age and experience. And there's some things that like books can't teach you. Right. That's the heart of the plan of salvation is that there's some things you can only learn through experience. Right. You know. And there's something about us, not everybody didn't start on day one together. Like God has staggered births and deaths on this earth, I think on purpose. So that there's something to learn from on both sides, right? If you're a hundred years old, there's actually something to learn from a 25 year old perspective. Sure. And if you're 25, there's certainly something to learn from somebody who's a hundred, right. you know? And so there's something really, really cool about that, that I know he was just maybe saying that in passing, but it just, I think there's something really insightful about that to me. Yeah, it's its awesome. And it's a fantastic way to start and get our attention. And then he's going to give us like, what are the most basic things? He starts off with the plan of salvation, President Nelson. And then he says this, here's the great news of God's plan. The very things that will make your mortal life the best it can be 
are exactly the same things that will make your life throughout all eternity the best it can be. Such a wonderful, wonderful insight. Such, such a fantastic line. And this is what I love about that. P.S. I don't know why I wrote this on my notes on this paper. It says, you are currently alive. <laughs> but I think what I meant <laughs> was that sometimes there's this temptation or this thought process I get into where I'm just like, I got to live in a certain way right now so that I can enjoy heaven when I get there. Like, do what you're supposed to do now so that one day you can enjoy heaven. And I think he's teaching something about eternal life being a present experience. You are living right now, which means you can enjoy the fruits of the gospel, the joy, the hope, the love, the thrill of relationship, of learning, of experience today. Like it's not live good now or live in a certain way now so that you can live good later, but live good, period, like now and later, like live out experience. Like obviously something gets better, right? (laughs) When mortality's (laughs) over, like we have something to look forward to certainly, but I don't know. It just feels like, like you can enjoy and experience the fruits of godliness today. Right. I think is what he's teaching. And I think it also says something about sometimes the way we talk about religion, especially to young people and faithful living, is we sort of say like, look, it's hard, but it's worth it. Right? There's that really famous, you know, picture of Jesus that says, I never said it would be easy. I only said it would be worth it. Which is interesting because he literally never said that. Mm-hmm. And he actually said it would be easy. Right? He said, my yoke is easy to take. And the reason why I say that is that we actually have to learn how to teach people how religion is joyful living right now. Heaven mm-hmm. comes in right now, and we can experience that right now. And the things that bring humans actual rich experience, that's the kind of thing that gives us little previews of heaven, right? Uh, he goes on and he says, Today, to assist you to qualify for the rich blessings Heavenly Father has for you, I invite you to adopt the practice of thinking celestial. And that sets up the whole the theme of his talk. And what the prophet of the Lord is asking us to do is adopt a whole new mindset with whatever situation we come into, think celestial, think differently. And I think that goes beyond just have an eternal perspective. I'm sure that's a part of it. Yeah, yeah. But it's he also- He says that, right? Yeah, yeah there's something about that. There's something about that. It's it's having the long view, but it's also about like, not just the quantity, like you're going to be alive for a long time, but what kind of quality of life are you trying to live out in this world? yeah. Okay, so what would you say is the opposite of think celestial? I was just, when you just read that line, I thought to myself, I want you to adopt this practice. Well, because in order to qualify for the rich blessing Heavenly Father has for you, and I would say currently, right? Like a lot of times when I've heard that phrase, I've always thought of it as, oh, if you want to qualify for the future blessings Heavenly Father has for you, which no doubt there are some, but what if we said this in a present tense? Because it comes right after that line that seems to set up a present tense, right? Right. And a future, both of them. To qualify for the rich blessings Heavenly Father has for you today, I invite you to start this practice of thinking celestial. So thinking fill in the blank, what's the opposite? I think the quick answer is like worldly, cheap, natural man or woman, something like that. Yeah. But I think celestial is, it's much more than just a be righteous, be good yeah. It's a God has a certain kind of lifestyle and it's I think it's best characterized by love, right? 
Right. Love within the Godhead and then love for others. Mm. That might be one way of thinking about yeah. it. You know? Yeah. I don't know. What do you think? No, and I wasn't setting you up to say like, yeah, nope, here's what <laughs> it actually is. No, I just really thought when you said like, oh, thinking celestial, like the opposite is like, okay, think earthly. And I would just say like, okay, what does that even, what does that even mean? Right. Because like, oh, I don't know. Maybe if we jump into this yeah. a little bit more, like that'll become more apparent but he says this when you make choices i invite you to take the long view and eternal view put jesus christ first because your eternal life is dependent upon your faith in him and in his atonement and then he continues and he gives this list i'll just read the main points he says when confronted with a dilemma temptation when loved ones let you down someone dies prematurely illness pressures of life accident or injury he says think celestial for someone who likes to think and probably just overthinks this is this is really insightful because there's a difference between what some psychologists call the word machine going off in your brain. Like at any given moment, we can make arguments for or against something when you're trying to make a decision, when you're going through a hard time. My natural just reaction is fix this, think this, analyze this. But then if I sort of like learn to calm down, uh, step back, get some distance from my thoughts and emotions, and then ask myself, what's the simple true right thing to do here Hmm. i think that gets closer at what is thinking celestial i know this sounds weird but we have to we have to learn how to stop thinking with our brains and more thinking with our with our hearts and through the direction of the holy spirit Hmm. we're going to talk about a talk later on in the season about how you can you could kind of like be obsessive about that and think i have to Every single thing I ever do has to be directed by the Spirit, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. But I know in key moments, calm down, what's the simple right thing to do? What it, Just think celestial. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, and almost like have written in my notes here, to, I wrote next to that, think with God's eyes and maybe with his heart and with his perspective and his wisdom. When you're guided by the Holy Spirit, you're being guided by the perspective and wisdom and and love and generosity and mercy of the whole godhead is what's happening and that's what a thrill and a privilege but just i love that idea of just hold on step back for a second and just like let me see this the way god might see this situation or this choice i don't ever picture god anxious and i don't ever picture him like reactionary right he seems to, at least Jesus, when I read the New Testament, I see him poised and I see him thoughtful and I see him take a minute and I see him like, have you ever thought about this? You know, like yeah. you almost can hear him saying those kind of things. And I think that's what I think of when he says, think celestial, like, wait, there's more to you than just this moment in time. There's more you don't see and understand other people are always involved in your decisions. There's something about that that's like rich and bigger. And I that's how I think I would define that phrase to think celestial. Yeah, think yeah. celestial. Not not so much like, okay. I mean, he uses this line in here somewhere like what I do actually matters, which I think is true. Like I what the decisions and thoughts and and actions I have right now are gonna have an impact on the future. Everyone can see that. Everybody knows that. I am who I am because of some of the decisions I made as a 17-year-old since then, right? right? It's a principle we're living and experiencing right now. So what we do does matter, but I just love thinking about people and situations and choices the way that maybe God would think about them. Yeah. 
He adds in connection with that. He we adds, need those WWJD bracelets back and put a T on them. What would Jesus think? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> new merch. New revival merch. <laughs> okay. Okay. In connection with what you're just saying, President Nelson, he tells us one of the things that will dis- like distract us from thinking celestial. He says this, as you think celestial, you will find yourself avoiding anything that robs you of your agency. And then he lists off some classic things that could take away our agency through addiction, gaming, debt, alcohol, anger. And then he says, why? Because your obsession becomes your God. You look to it rather than to him for solace. I just love this because I think sometimes we frame repentance as a stopping or a starting of behavior. And that's certainly a part of it. But the deepest way I know how to repent is to identify my idols, to identify the things that I put too much faith into as far as bringing me ultimate sense of identity, worth, meaning, and purpose. This is a very uh, vulnerable thing to do, to go to God and say, God, I'm so sorry. I just love this too much, or I I put too Mm. much energy and time into this. Mm. We're not saying that you can't love other things, right? You can't love sports or music or whatever. What Christianity is about is ordering our loves, making sure that we love God first, and then that will allow us to put everything else in its proper place. Yeah, and I've always thought it's such an interesting, like, did Jesus feel a little sheepish when he gave the commandment to love him? You know, like, it's an odd thing to, like, command someone to love you. But from what we know of his character, it's like, wait, what he's teaching us to do is for our own, it's so that we can experience eternal life. He's not jealous of those other things, even though the Old Testament will use that word, right? Mm-hmm. That I'm a jealous God. In the sense like of being insecure. Right. Right. Or needy. He, yeah. Of course, he's perfect. And so he wouldn't be those things. Right. 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 Yeah. But he just, but he would say like, listen, when you turn to these other things, they can't satisfy you. They can't teach you and they can't change you the way that a relationship with me can. Um, I think he would pick people over things. 10 for 10 anyways. That was commandment number two, love people, right? Right. But as we love him and look to him, I think we actually learn to see things and love the things that that he does and understand why he does a little bit more. And so I think that's why President Nelson has in here a couple suggestions where he's just like, prayer ought not to be so much a shopping list as, what's his phrase? A living discussion. Mm. You know, where you're learning and like, I don't know, experiencing and hearing from him and gaining some of God's wisdom. He also talks about the temple being a place where we can go to give us that, a greater ability to think and feel the way that God does as well. Yeah. In fact, he says, the Lord is directing us to build these temples to help us think celestial. Mm. And so how many did he announce? 20? 20. Right? And so, I mean, this is one of the most unique and beautiful parts of our faith tradition is that the Lord has restored in these latter days a place where we can go and actually think differently, Mm. get a new perspective and a whole new environment. We actually change our clothes. We participate in sacred ordinances. And that is a profound way to get your mind, okay, how do I get some clarity on this, right? If we're too busy to go to the temple, we're just too busy, right? Like it's the cliche, but that's absolutely 
Absolutely true. Yeah, because you're going to be get caught up in your thought patterns and in your habits and in your way of seeing the world. That's so easy to get caught up in that. There needs to be some sort of separation. To be holy means to be separate, right? So when we talk about a holy place, we're talking about, wait, separate yourself from the way that your culture and your thought patterns are teaching you to see things and you know, hey, why don't you try and see it like this? Don't you almost hear God's like tender voice saying that? Like, what have you thought about the situation like this? What if you saw that person like this? What if you thought about your choice like this? Like that seems to be what he's inviting us into. Yeah. Uh, towards the beginning of the talk, President Nelson said, because of Jesus Christ's infinite atonement, our Heavenly Father's plan is a perfect plan. And so President Nelson wants us to know it's because of what the Savior did, that's what makes the plan perfect. And of course, what Jesus did on the cross is at the center of everything that our Heavenly Father is. It's the perfect representation of Him. And rather than seeing truth only as a list of ideas, but when we see it through the lens of the love of God as manifested on the cross, I think that's the best way to think celestial. In fact, there's a book written by some Latter-day Saint scholars, and it's called Who is Truth? And the idea is basically instead of what is, instead of yeah, what is truth, cool. that Jesus embodies the most important, beautiful truths in all of all of creation, all of eternity, in the way He lived on Earth, right? Right? He's just like He experienced it and showed it here. Not and certainly there's a again blessings and a way of living in heaven. But I just it's awesome that Jesus didn't say like, "Hey, come up here," but He says, "I'll actually come down there, and I will show you." how to live in this in a different way right? in an abounding way. And there's this line he says where he's talking about, as you think celestial, your heart will gradually change. And um, he's talking, it's that paragraph where he's talking about prayer, but he says this line, his response to your prayers may surprise you. And there's something really compelling to me about that. It's like, oh, when you see things for where they really are, it may surprise you. Like, and always in... Uh, a good way. And one of the greatest examples you just brought up is Jesus on the cross. That's surprising. Like that didn't seem like the way you should have treated that situation. Like I would have had a different bit of advice for the king and for the deliverer than the cross. And it confuses me when I see it, but it was an evidence of Jesus thinking celestial. He's like, no, no, there's something much bigger at play than taking over for Caesar and something much bigger than who's right and who's wrong. And he showed us what it looks like. An example of live. He was like, I was thinking much, much bigger. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. The cross Gethsemane, that's the ultimate example of thinking celestial. Yeah. Right. Woo. Y'all that's revival. We will see you next week.